As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. Welcome in to the Chris Strebler podcast. Just kidding. I mean, can't wait podcast. The Jets are 2-0, though. Yes, the preseason means nothing, but take the wins when you can get them. Tim McMaster here, along with Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Dunn. Uh, we are going to talk about the game, the win over the Falcons on Monday night, and all of Chris Strebler's big moments. Uh, more importantly, probably, we're going to talk about the joint practices with the Falcons when the first teams actually went head-to-head as opposed to the game on Monday night. We're also going to take some of your questions, check in on the 53-man roster. So a lot to get to. A uh, new backdrop for Zach, which we noticed when we got on here before we started. And he he went on to inform me and Marissa that he is record- He This is a true – you've really entered – the world of podcasting oh man zach because you are <laughs> recording from your parents basement <laughs> this is what they this is what they say about people who work on the internet right that they just live in their parents basements that's, <laughs> and that, that's what i'm I, I don't live here <laughs> i'm just here because uh, uh i have to take my dog to the vet and i still take her to the vet near my parents and it's it's a whole thing but yeah so i'm I, I'm in my parents' basement right now. I'm hoping they don't they don't really understand podcasts, so I'm hoping they don't come down and interrupt it. I'm hoping they do come down. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah, that, that would, would be, be great. Fantastic. I am not. <laughs> um, we and we learn one more thing about you, which is that you have a dog, which is cool because uh, yes. this is a very dog friendly uh, podcast. So tell us about the dog name and everything's good with the vet, right? Just to check. Yeah, everything's good. Just update on her vaccines. Her name is Maggie. All right. Uh, she's my very buddy. Cute. She is scared of going down into this basement for some reason, though. So she's not down here with me. She follows me everywhere normally. Um, she's the best. Uh, I mean, I'll share a picture or something or she'll come on the pod next week or something like that. Awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the Eagles and uh, this, Eagles. this team. Oh, wow. Uh, don't, <laughs> what is this, Spurs with friends? Okay. Don't share this with Bo. Or this Jack. is really funny because I was going through old videos the other day, and I found a clip of when Tim did the same thing, and Connor got <laughs> so mad because, you know, Connor had the rivalry with well, I'm, I'm a nice that, guy, like, so I'm not going to get mad at Tim like Connor. There's, I'm too no nice reason to of, there's, like, no reason for me to throw that team name in. 
They played them in the first preseason game. I'll give you it. Yes, right. true. Maybe that's true. what it was. I, but it's so weird because I watched this like last night. So. Like bows in my head. Or you should yeah. have Chris Traveler on your mind and that you're, you're all, you know, but fit. I don't know. I can't think of words right now. I haven't slept much. <laughs> <laughs> that's all what right. he does to you. Chris Traveler just makes your mind. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mind, yeah. You know? <laughs> he does. He does. All right. And, and speaking of that, that's a good transition. Let's get <laughs> into the uh, let's get into the game first. Then we'll talk about the joint practices. But the game, the first half was just it was a bore. I mean, the Boo Birds were out at MedLife Stadium, but the second half was salvaged once again by Chris Traveler. Eight for 11, 119 touchdown. He did throw an interception. I'm willing. Yeah, to we don't talk that. about that. Yeah. He also <laughs> ran for 33 yards on six carries. Um, and you took your your post game notebook, Zach, and you basically made it a Chris Trebler story, which was fantastic. <laughs> the whole you you got into everybody else that flashed and the other stuff of the game, but the whole big first chunk of this was about Strebler because you took the photo that we talked about on the show last time of him on the back during the Grey Cup parade with the with the fur coat and the cigar and the cowboy hat, and you took it around the locker room. And it seems like from reading the story, and everybody should check it out on the athletic. Everyone on this team loves this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like, I feel like most of the people didn't even really know who he was, even while he was like in the locker room the first couple of weeks, because he just like was not getting reps in practice. Um, but yeah, like Dan Feeney, the offensive lineman who, you know, has a signature look himself. He's the one that was like chugging beers at the Islanders game. He's like, yeah, that that photo looks like how he plays is what he <laughs> how he described it. Um it's funny. I, so I wrote this like long story about the quarterback room the other day, just like going deep into it. And it got so long that I couldn't really fit much Strebler stuff in there, which stunk because I had a nice chat with him and I had all this good stuff. And then he goes out and has another heroic performance in a very important game. Um, and so I was able to use a lot of stuff he told me about like, you know, like how at the, I might have mentioned this last week. I can't remember. But like at that parade where he won the Grey Cup, like somebody threw him like a chain and he grabbed that and he put it on. He was wearing jean shorts fur coat no shirt cowboy hat people were like throwing him beer beer cans and wine bottles um and that's where he started his career and he's had like this crazy you're like even in the cfl he his his first he started like the first game of his first year because one quarterback retired right before the season another got injured right before the season and then every opportunity he's had since then has been like guys getting hurt like in in arizona kyler murray got hurt late in the season and and he played for him and um and he's just been on this like he's one of those like fun training camp guys where he you know it's it's hard not to talk yeah there's the photo it's yes. it's pretty amazing <laughs> um but yeah he's uh he's become like one of those preseason folk heroes is how I'm, I'm describing him and jets fans are in love with him he's out playing mike white honestly i mean he's going against backups but um you know he's making it so they're gonna have a hard time keeping him away whether that's on the practice squad or whatever but uh, it's a fun story and it, he's kind of become like a Chuck Norris S figure around the, around this fan base right now where it's like, he can do no wrong. I will say that at halftime of this game, when the jets were down 16 to three, I said, wait for the second half. You did. was going to throw two. You literally texted that. Passes. Yeah. It's group text. 17, 16. I have the text to prove it. Now the score was off and he only threw one touchdown pass, but <laughs> I'm taking credit for it anyway. <laughs> Led um, two scoring drives. Yeah. Right. Led two scoring drives. And it's just fun to watch this guy. So, I guess the question is, you said they're going to have a hard time, like, you know, getting rid of him at this point. Where does he land? Because, yes, he outplayed Mike White last night. Mike White was actually playing against the Falcons starters versus yeah. who Straveler played against in the second half. And Mike White was playing against the Falcons starters without the Jets starters. 
<laughs> it's basically a team yeah. around him of Jets backups. Um, so and and still wasn't terrible. 12 of 17, yeah. 90 yards, an 83 rating. He did get booed, or the offense got booed. I shouldn't say my the, these fans would not boo Mike White, but they no, booed no. the offense <laughs> in the first half. But that said, you know, with one more game to play, and I know it sounds like Joe Flacco may play a little bit against the Giants. How do you think this whole thing shakes out? Because, I mean, Strebler, he just looks like a, a guy that can be a, a contributing third quarterback. Yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, he's making it clear that he deserves to be in the NFL. Um, I still think they're high on Mike White. I don't think they would, like, yeah. give him Mike White's job. So unless Zach Wilson had to go on IR, which unless, the only way that would happen is if there was a setback of some sort and then the roster spot would open up. Like, I, I imagine they'll try to get Chris through to the practice squad. He's a good extra arm to have. You know, maybe a team picks him up, a team that need, has a bad backup quarterback situation. You know, he has experience in the NFL, which, you know, is a positive. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he, he's he's shown to me that he at least deserves like a chance. I mean, for him to play the way he has uh, after like je- basically just starting to practice with the team last week, he's been with the team. He knows the offense. You know, he's been diligent and all that stuff, but he literally got his first team reps this last week. Um and so he, he's he gone out there and run the offense. His teammates all love him. He brings some energy. Like, he, he's what you want in a backup quarterback. Like, you don't want to – I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you'll win a Super Bowl if Chris Traveler is your, your starting quarterback. He's like the next Nick Foles for all I know. But um, You can win a like great I, cup. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, he's a good guy to have around. And I, I, I think they'll try and keep him on the practice squad would be my guess. Yeah, let's hope he gets through to the pro- – well, I, I don't know. This is always tricky too, right? If you're a fan, you like a guy. Um, let's hope he gets through to the practice squad. So he's still on the jets. But on the other hand, like if Maybe somebody picks him up and actually him, yeah. puts him on their roster, like good for him. Um, but I think no matter what, what he's shown in this preseason is certainly going to help him out one way or the other. Uh, he's going to be in some way come week one, he's going to still be putting a football uniform on. So that, that's safe to say, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, all right. Uh, I, we, we mentioned Mike White. Um, how did you assess his performance? Obviously, against uh, we mentioned against the, the top def- well, the top defense for the Falcons, which isn't exactly a, a top caliber NFL <laughs> defense as much as they tried to drum it up during the ESPN broadcast on oh, Monday they? night of how this team had a whole new like oh, persona and they were changing everything. It's still a bad defense. <laughs> um, so how did you sum up kind of how Mike White looked? Yeah, you know, I. We, we saw them in the joint practices too. And I, I definitely, the jets like looked like a clearly better team, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of Mike white, um, I, I think he, he was fine. Like I, I, he had a couple throws that were pretty inaccurate. You know, they didn't really, really do much down the field. I, I think he, I, what do you have? Like 12 inter, uh, completions and he still had less than like a hundred yards, I think, or something like that. Like, um, so it was like, it was an efficient performance. It was better than last week when he struggled a bit. Um, I still think you want to see more from him. Like you said, though, he was going against the, the Falcons played all but one of their starters, I think. Um, so I don't know if they expect the Jets expected that or what. And he was go, he was behind an offensive line that had zero starters on the Jet. Uh, the Jets had zero projected starters on their offensive line. And the receivers weren't playing besides Garrett Wilson. And the tight ends weren't playing. And Brees Hall was the only running back that's going to play a lot that was playing. So all the factors, all things considered, he was he was totally fine and you know perfectly what you what you hope to see. But I, I kind of want to see a little more out of him. Uh, and, in this joint practice coming up and against the giants, I would say. Yeah. And you mentioned Brees Hall and like the, the running back numbers were awful also probably because of the line that they were running behind Brees Hall didn't, didn't look great, but that was kind of to be expected when the, the holes just weren't opening up there on the offensive line. Um, all right. A couple of things to, to get to as far as just 
more to get to as far as the game on Monday night. Um, one, Robert Sala has said the decision will be made pretty soon on cornerback Bryce Hall versus Sauce Gardner. Uh, it didn't go well for Bryce Hall on Monday night. And I didn't really hear Sauce Gardner's name, which just made me think, well, they're avoiding him. And Bryce Hall got burned a couple of times. So it seems pretty clear cut at this point. Yeah, that was like an air quotes uh, competition, I think, from the beginning. It was more <laughs> like to motivate Sauce Gardner. Um, he's pretty clearly been the better player. I don't think Bryce Hall's had a bad camp by any stretch, but you're kind of seeing why the Jets felt like they needed to invest in the secondary. Like Bryce Hall was their number one corner last year. This year, you can feel good about him being your top backup behind uh, Sauce and DJ Reed. Um, but yeah, I, I, he he had a rough he had a rough game. If the if the Jets want to like try and get value for him in a trade at some point, I don't think he really helped himself. He he got burned pretty bad on Kyle Pitts, which is going to happen to a corner because he's a freak tight end. Um, he gave up a touchdown. There was a play where he, had, he was called for a hold, but he still gave up the catch. Like it was just a rough night all around. Even Salah said that. Um, and whenever a coach like admits that a player had a bad game, that's how you know it was especially bad. Um, so it was rough. I don't think his like roster spots in jeopardy or anything, but it's pretty clear that Sauce is the starting player. I, one one of the things Salah indicated is that. Um, when they go against the Giants next week and some of the players, the starters are playing like who, who's whoever's out there first, I would say is a pretty safe bet is going to start in week one. And I, I'd be surprised if Sauce Gardner wasn't the one starting opposite DJ Reed. I think they interviewed um, Pitts during the game in the second half, I think. And they talked about that catch. I think the term he used was he noticed that the cornerback was scared pedaling oh, God. instead of backpedaling, which yeah, somebody that mentioned does... that. Yeah. 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 It was a uh, <laughs> That's just that's what I'm saying. It's it's amazing how far their secondaries come. Like at this time last year, um, I I mean even just like from afar looking at the Jets' steps hard, like this is a brutal secondary, and all those guys now are backups. You look at Brandon Eccles, Javelin Goudry, Bryce Hall, um, yeah, the, all all pretty all the guys they they were starting last year are backups now, and like Lamarcus Joyner was out last year and he's back, and so their safety room is a little deeper. Ashton Davis probably Ashton Davis and Elijah Riley. Sorry, Bo. Um, they were both playing a lot last year. And now they're like fighting for scraps at the end of the roster now. So it it's the secondary is clearly more talented. You, you want to see them all playing together uh, in a game setting and see how they fit and stuff. But um, I think if anything, last night showed that the fact that the opposing quarterback was avoiding a rookie corner to throw it at a guy who's been in the league for a few years uh, kind of says a lot about like where that competition is. Yeah, yeah. And once the uh, once Ritter got in for the Falcons, you knew he would. Although at that point, I think Sauce was kind of done. But, you know, he would avoid Sauce because he knows exactly Teammates, yeah. uh, how good he is from Cincinnati. And I know Sauce picked him off during on Friday uh, during practice. Um, all right. A few other players who kind of flashed on Friday. Uh, Bradley, and I'm going to screw this up. Is it an A? An I? An I. And I, I, I keep getting yeah. told to the actual one and I keep forgetting started. it. And and I've like, no, I've like been, I used to cover the PAC 12 and I knew him when he was at Utah and stuff like that. And I still just forget how to say his name. He, he is part of the same agency as Michael. So I actually covered well, Arizona when I actually covered Arizona when his uncle was the offensive line coach. Fun fact. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Six fun, degrees fun, exact fun right fact. Yeah. 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 Well, Bradley and I had a moment on Monday <laughs> night for sure. The sack fumble recovery touchdown it's like the ultimate play for a defensive oh God, player yeah. uh, and not just usually you see that happen like in the five yard line he scoops oh, it up yards. 50 runs it in i mean an yeah. awesome play uh late in the game for the jets and he made a nice play earlier in the game he got in a fight with the falcons in practice on friday <laughs> yeah. um i know it's an uphill battle but where does he stand as far as kind of this roster stands right now 
Yeah, and one part that you left out about that play is that Robert Sala had to be like held back by an official because he was like running to celebrate on the field, <laughs> which would have been a penalty in a regular season game. So I'm sure he's gonna remember that in the future. Like he needs one of those like hold back, hold back coaches. coaches. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because that was pretty. Like he, he used so to hyped. have one, right? Like yeah, I back... think that somebody mentioned that. Yeah, I'm not sure what the guy's name was. I don't know where he was. I think it's back in San Francisco. Yeah, uh, maybe that's what it was. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty sure I before mean... he got came to New York that that was like a topic when he was hired was like yeah. he's going to be his whole right, guy. right, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, because as you get Salah's pretty passionate guy, and you can tell how much he like loves his team and guys like Bradley a- a- Anay. Is that what you said? Anay. Anay. Yep. Anay. See, I already forgot. <laughs> Bradley and I. Um, yeah, he. You know, he's a guy that. You know, after the game, Salah kept saying about how like he chose us, like because he left the Cowboys in the offseason and he signed with the Jets, even though they had a deep room at defensive end. Um, they really like how he's, you know, he's he's going 100 miles an hour. He's like like you mentioned, he was getting in a fight with some Falcons players where I just saw him all of a sudden like just swinging at the sideline at a bunch of dudes and like both both they had to like stop the drills between the defense and the Falcons' offense and the Falcons' running back had to be held back and and and, and he was at the center of it and. um yeah, I don't know. He's he he has flashed throughout camp, but it's like such a tough spot to be in because they're so deep at defensive end. I think they probably have. We're doing this fifty-three man roster thing. I think I wrote down that they have. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, like six guys that are like I think are locked into roster spots at defensive end. So that's already a lot of guys at that position. And then he's competing with someone like Jabari Zuniga, who was drafted in the third round a few years ago. Vinny Curry, a veteran who's loved by everyone in the building. So he he's a guy that they probably are going to hope to sneak through the practice squad, maybe or or maybe you try and trade Zaniga and Curry and you, and you keep them. Um, I think he's good enough to play on, on a team as a rotational pass rusher, so I don't know if they'll make it through the practice squad. But he, he's someone who's helped his stock a lot in the last couple of weeks, I would say. And we've talked about it before, just the fact that we're talking about these guys who who look pretty good not making the roster. says a yeah. lot about where this team is. Totally. Uh, Lawrence Cager, the transition mm-hmm. to tight end, and he, he looked good. Three catches, 65 yards, the big touchdown uh, from Streveler as well. They've loaded up a tight end during this offseason, obviously, and through the draft. So how about Cager? And, you know, I know we're going to do the 53, man. I feel like we're kind of cheating on that now by, yeah, yeah, by yeah. Me asking you where these guys stand. But but specific guys, like, does Cager have a shot to make this roster? Yeah, he's an interesting one. You know, he he made the transition to tight end this offseason, and he, he seems to make plays every practice. He's, like, got great size, athleticism. He's a project. Whenever guys move from wide receiver to tight end, they struggle with, like, the blocking side of things. And they already have three tight ends that are locked in. They drafted one and they signed two other guys. Um, so if they keep four tight ends, I think he's certainly in the mix. Um, I go back and forth about whether they will will keep him on the 53. I think they might be able to sneak him through, maybe. But like it, it, it just depends on how high they are. And he's one of those where like once you get down to the your bottom of the roster, it's like it's it's a little more difficult to, you know, that's that's where you're figuring out like these guys that can I get them through the practice squad? Can I keep them in? Is he going to play at all? Can he play special teams? Things like that. And I, he's really flashed. I think the coaching staff really likes him. Um, he's played a, enough in the preseason that other teams are getting film on him. So if, if they like what they see, then he might not make it through. But I, I think he's definitely a candidate to stick around. I still lean towards him not making it, but um, I think he's really pushing for a spot right now if he keeps this up. All right, one more guy from last night that made a play that kind of stood out to me. Jonathan Marshall in the side, just a, a big guy kind of, did well against the run, had a big sack uh, second half. How has he looked overall to you? Yeah, I, th- I think he's had a good camp. He's another one that's like fighting in that numbers crunch at the defensive line because they ha- they have, I'd say, probably like three guys that are locked in at the defensive line. So he's competing with Nathan Shepard in particular, a guy who's 
maybe the longest tenure jet, which is crazy to think about because he's only been around like four years or something like that. Um, but I think he's outplayed him. Shepard was playing a lot last night, which doesn't really bode well for like a veteran guy that, you know, if a guy's a lock to make the team and he's a veteran, he's not going to play as much as he did. Um, and Marshall got a sack. Uh, he's looked pretty good throughout camp. He, they like him as like a developing as a run stopper. Uh, you know, they, they need bodies on the defensive line. I think they, they worked out a veteran the other day. Um, so they clearly feel like they, you know, need some depth uh, at defensive tackle. And he, he's pushing for a spot and he's going to be another one of those guys where I lean towards him making it, but it's going to come down to how many they, how many defensive linemen they want to keep and, and where you're going to pull from at other positions. All right. We're going to talk more about that 53-man roster. Also, the joint practices with the Falcons when the starters actually played against each other. But first, a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. More to get to here with the Jets. Uh, looking back on the joint practices with the Falcons, um, it's funny you think about people that just tune into the preseason games, Zach, and, and maybe watch the first half of the game last night. Maybe step away thinking, oh, well, wow, the Falcons, okay, you know, Marcus Mariota looked decent. Maybe this team uh, is heading in the right direction. But anybody who watched the practices or paid attention to the practices leading up to this game saw a much different story. I think across the board, everything I read was pretty much, wow, the Jets were clearly the better, most talented team. What to you stood out that made you think that watching the joint practices last week? Yeah, you know, I, I focused on uh, the defense on uh, Friday. Um, and but you could still like the the far field you could still see the offense going a, like a little bit too so you know i turn over and i'd see Brees hall running for 75 yards and a touchdown or joe flacco completing a 50-yard pass to elijah moore then where i'm watching like i you know I, I don't see marcus mariota completing very many passes i think what i calculated i had him at like 7 of 15 in team drills for the day um they were pressuring they were rushing the passer really well like i, I just thought the defense won versus the falcons offense and it seemed like the jets offense was winning versus the falcons defense and I, you know, I don't think a lot should be made of it, but I think it's definitely progress considering this Jets team just lost to the Falcons last season. And the fact that you can like definitively say they're better than another team, uh, unfortunately, is progress around here. So it, it's definitely like a positive thing. I, I, I imagine we're going to feel the same way uh, when they go against the Giants on Thursday, because as we've talked about on here, I just I think that's one of the three worst rosters in the NFL. So um, I, I, I would hope they go out and dominate however many team drills they do on Thursday. Um, but yeah, I, I was definitely encouraged. Um, they, they, you know, they played up to the moment. They for, Saturday was a little more of a light practice. So I tried to focus more a little on Friday. And I, I just think uh, they're a better team than the Falcons, which isn't necessarily saying much, but calling the Jets a better team than somebody is a positive thing. So overall, when you look at this preseason, 
you know, they go up against the Eagles, joint practices with the Falcons, going against Falcons, then the Giants. A year ago, they spent time with the Packers and then played the Packers, which is a very big difference. Do you think they would have been better off at some point along the way in this preseason playing against a better team? It, it's it's hard to say just because, you know, with the, some of these teams will play all their starters and some of them will bench all of them. And yeah. um, and so it's just so hard to plan. I, I, I wonder if I mean, they won't because TV money and all that stuff. But like, I think teams would be way happier if they just did joint practices and no preseason games. I think that would make everybody happy. Honestly, I'm sure pl- players, teams like all that. I mean, you, you like the having to like prepare for the game day thing and all that stuff. But I just think they get way more out of these joint practices and stuff. That's why you're seeing so many teams like just not play their their starters once they get to the games but um i don't know it, it's i go back and forth but yeah i mean it, it would have been interesting to see them go like last year I, I covered the giants last year they did joint practices with the browns and the patriots um and i was there for both of them in cleveland and uh, new england and both of those teams just were like so clearly better than the giants so ultimately i think that would have been good practice for them if the giants didn't like just you know have a disaster of a season and everything that happened and jones getting hurt and all that stuff but um, so like joint practices against a good team would have been good for this team, but at the same time, you know, they're still, you know, slowly on the upper trend and going against a couple teams that you're better than maybe that'll boost their confidence going into week one when they're going to go against a Ravens team that's better than them and a Browns team that's more talented than them. Probably. Yeah. They're certainly going to get that competition pretty yeah. quickly. Um, Robert Sala, we mentioned it towards the top. He said that Sunday against the giants, will be a dress rehearsal, which sounds like the starters are going to play. Um, a, a, I don't know how much. Obviously, we'll figure that out. But it goes against what a lot of coaches do in that final game where nobody plays. But a lot of coaches don't play, right? Like Tom Brady is not going to play this entire preseason. So there, there's Tom Brady that just started well. practicing, yeah. <laughs> just, um, what do you think of the decision to, to put those, especially when you think Zach Wilson already got hurt this, this summer? What do you think of the decision to uh, – get some good reps for the starters in the final preseason game. I mean, obviously there's a risk as you saw with Zach Wilson getting hurt and, and things like that. But I, I think it makes sense, especially because the way the schedule is now with there only being three preseason games. And then you have that like week in between. Um, I think it does make a little more sense because so they're, they're going to go out, they're going to play a series or two or whatever it is. Um, then they have a week to not unwind, but, you know, take a breath from that. And like, they know how the operation ones, what they need to work on and, and then this, this season comes around on September 11th. And, you know, you hope Zach Wilson is back by then. I, as we've said, I don't, I'm not very confident he will be. Um, they need to get – and Joe Flacco hasn't gotten game reps with this with this group yet. Um, so that's going to be important. And the offensive line has not really practiced at all together if you factor in Dwayne Brown. And so they, they have four out of five offensive linemen playing either new positions or it's a new person from last year. Dwayne Brown hasn't done team drills yet. So they have, like, a lot of things they need to figure out. You hope Dwayne Brown is ready to go by by next Sunday because I think him in particular will be important to get him out there. Him and Joe Flacco, I would say, are the main ones. And just getting like the whole group like with the starting offense, like getting the running backs, getting to run behind that offensive line, and you know getting these receivers with Joe Flacco in a game setting, and and the defense all getting on the field together because there's been a lot of banged up guys. So I, I'm curious to see like you know is Carl Lawson going to play? Is you know uh, DJ Reed like all these guys that have been banged up? I wonder if they play, but. I, I think it makes sense to do it this way, especially because of that week off to have in between, I would say. We actually haven't we haven't mentioned Joe Flacco on this episode. Mm-hmm. He's continued to play well, obviously. Um, you did do the quarterback room story um, last week, which people should check out on The Athletic. Uh, dollar a month for up to six months, theathletic.com slash can't wait uh, to get that subscription in. Uh, the thing that 
I mean, the story was really good because you learned a little about all these guys, but maybe something that stood out to me because I remember when they originally brought Joe Flacco in, one of the things was like, he said, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy yeah. that just like coaches up the young guy. I don't want to be that guy. Um, but it seems like reading that story and, and just seeing quotes from Joe Flacco, I don't want to say he's begrudgingly just become that, but I just think being 37 years old and a guy who's seen it all in this league, he almost can't help but be that guy because just through normal conversation and talking to teammates, I think you just kind of become that, right? Yeah, I, he's, I mean, there, there's a lot of that. You know, he's, he's a guy that everybody, you know, Elijah Moore had a funny quote where he's like, you know, we're all born after 2000. So Joe Flacco is <laughs> like a legend to us. And we're like, oh, that's Joe Flacco on the field. Like, and I'm, I, I, I even included this there. It's not like he was like a star, even in his prime. Like he was just a name that everybody knew kind of thing. Um, but, you know, he, so he's a name. He's been around the league for a while. He's 37. He's kind of the father, fi un, unwitting father figure of the locker room. He says, like, I don't feel like I'm old. I feel like I'm 25, even though he's 37. Um, but I think the combination of his experience and his approachability, I think his personality has really endeared himself to this locker room. So I think that's that's why you have him just kind of naturally becoming a leader of this team, even if he didn't really come here with the plan of being that. And, and it's also why it, it just seems like, Everybody in the locker room loves him. Like everybody I've talked to, like it, you maybe you wouldn't expect that because you see all those quotes. Like when he was in Baltimore, it was the same thing. Like he said, he didn't want to, he didn't want to mentor Lamar Jackson. He was, he was like willing to answer any questions he had and stuff like that. And as he's gotten older, it seems like more people are just going to him to talk to him about things. And CJ Uzama like told me in the locker room last week that, you know, he, the day before he had just sat down and talked with Joe Flacco for like 45 minutes and, and uh, he has all these stories about playing with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. So it's like the grandpa sitting down and, you know, telling about the old days, um, but he's their starting quarterback. So or at least for week one, most likely. But yeah, I, I think it, it's not quite what I expected. Honestly, when I started covering the Jets, that Joe Flacco would be such like a prominent figure in this organization. Um, it's obvious to me now why they brought him back. I, everybody is, you know, maybe they, they are not going to win a lot of games if he's starting a lot. But I, they really do believe that they things are going to run smoothly with him when he's in there. And to have a 37 year old quarterback where you still trust in that way. It's, it's interesting and we'll see how that works, but um, yeah, this locker room loves him. That's for sure. Yeah. And that quarterback room is tight. They have a text thread that went through the off season, even though they weren't all under contract. Um, yeah, definitely check out that. Sorry. All right, let's look at this 53 man roster. How do you want to do this? Zach, you want me to just throw out positions and you kind of break it down or. Yeah. I was thinking we go. So what I, what I did was I um, just to give you like an overview, I like went through his position. I put down the guys that I think are for sure going to make it. And then, you know, there's some who are fighting. I, I, I calculated 47 guys or 46 guys that I think are for sure making the team. So that leaves like seven spots up for grabs. So we can go through these positions. Some of them, you know, we can linger on longer than the others. Yeah. We've talked about a bunch of this already. But yeah, we can go position by position. I would say start on offense. All right, let's start on the offense. And we already talked about this, so we can probably be exactly, quick yeah. at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Wilson, Flacco, White. Um, and then you try and sneak Straveler onto the practice squad. Teams don't keep four quarterbacks. Some used to, but um, unless he's like a guy they drafted, I... I He's not making the team. So, yeah, we don't need a keeping three is even a lot. Yeah, it, it really is, especially yeah. with the practice I mean, squad to. rules. Right. Um, but I, but I, f I think they feel they it's what the Eagles used to do back in the day is they would like have a young guy. They develop, you know, Donovan McNabb would get hurt. The guy would go in, look OK for a couple starts and they'd, you know, trade that guy for a draft pick. So I think Joe Douglas maybe learned a little bit when he was in Philly and when he was in Baltimore, where he's like, you know, Mike White is the kind of guy they're just going to develop there and. He's he's shown some flashes, and so when a team is desperate for a quarterback at some point, he can swing him for a draft pick. Yeah. Too bad they couldn't trade him after the four hundred yards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right away. Yeah, when his value is at its highest. Yeah. 
Uh, running back is a little more interesting. Obviously, we know who the starters are, but but the they're deeper than they've been. Yeah, and they're it's another position where they're going to cut like some NFL running backs kind of thing. I mean, Brees Hall, and Michael Carter are for sure going to be there. I, I think Tevin Coleman probably makes it. He's a veteran that that I think they like and trust. Um, Zonovan Knight, the undrafted rookie, has really been pushing for a spot. Like I, I'm not confident enough to say he'll make it just yet. He did have a nice return. The fact that he helps on special teams helps. Um, there's Ty Johnson, who I know is a important figure on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yes, I, he is. I, I think I think the coaching staff likes him. I. I'm not, I don't necessarily think he'll make it. They have a fullback named Nick Bowden, but I think it'll come down to him or a fourth tight end. I lean more towards the tight end right now. Um, Michael Pirine is probably not going to stick around. So ultimately it comes down to, do they want to keep four running backs, five running backs, or do they want to keep an extra tight end? Um, so I think Zonovan Knight's pushing for a spot. Ty Johnson is, is there. He's a good pass catcher and all that stuff. So I, that, that's an interesting one I'm keeping an eye on for sure. So you think Knight is number four or? Yeah, if, yeah if, if they Knight keep four, four, I would say Knight right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wide receiver. And this is the Denzel Mims conversation. Mm. Yes. So I, I I have five guys who are, I think, pretty clearly going to make it. That's Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Braxton Berrios, and Jeff Smith, who I think the coaching staff really likes and can contribute on special teams. Then you have the Denzel Mims question. Um, he got his first reps on special teams last night. He was a gunner on punt return unit or the punt coverage unit. He was on the return units. He got called for a block in the back. It was like I said, it's the Denzel Mims roller coaster. You know, he had a, a good catch yet. He was the one targeted on the interception that Straveler threw, and Straveler can do no wrong. So obviously, it's not his fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I Mims I, again. I think I've said this. I, I don't know if they would just straight up cut him. I, I feel like they're probably going to try and trade him. I would think they would be able to find him a spot somewhere, though. Teams might know that he's. They don't want him. So it's ultimately if they decide, like, can we get him on waivers or not kind of thing. Um, if they if they keep six and they get rid of Mims, I think the guys that are fighting for that last spot are Irv Charles and Calvin Jackson. They both have pretty good camps, made some plays in the preseason games. But yeah, as of right now, I'd say the six receivers with Mims making it. But, you know, a possibility that he gets traded for sure. He's never done the special teams thing before. How much does that help the fact that he's... At least, try, at least well, well, he's trying to do it, but I, it's right. such a work in progress that like, yeah. I don't know if like he would ultimately be inactive in week one on if they kept him, I think. So it, so do you want to keep Denzel Mims inactive for, you know, the first half of the season or do you just want to cut him and cut your losses now? Like it, it's going to be a very fascinating decision. I'm, I'm sure he sh they're shopping him around the league right now, I would guess. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, tackle. I'm sorry, tight end. <laughs> tight end, yeah, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama, Jeremy Ruckert, the kid they drafted, they're in. And then the last spot will come down to Trayvon Wesco, who's gotten a lot of reps. He had a rough game yesterday. He had a couple penalties. Um, he's gotten a bunch of reps with the first team throughout camp. But Lawrence Cager has stood out more. He's not a good of a blocker. Like I, I lean towards Wesco making it right now. But Cager, like I said, if he keeps up how he's been playing, like they're going to have a hard time keeping him off the roster. Uh, for the offensive line, do you want to do? Do you want to go position by position, or do you just want to talk about the whole? I can, yeah, I can just I can just do it as a whole because I yeah. I mean they have the five starters: Dwayne Brown, George Fant, Elijah Vera Tucker, Lake and Tomlinson, Connor McGovern. 
Um, I have three backups who I think are pretty secure in Max Mitchell, the rookie, Nate Herbig, the guard they claimed off waivers from the Eagles, and uh, Dan Feeney. Um, who did, Feeney's only safe because of his contract. He, they like, gave him a weird, weirdly like large amount of money, and then if they get rid of him, they like lose a couple mil. So he's safe. And then I think the last spot, which will be the ninth offensive lineman, will come down to Chuma or uh, Connor McDermott, who's still hurt. Like maybe they do something where they McDermott makes the initial roster and they put him on IR and right. and they kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I think it's going to come down veterans to do not yeah. go through waivers, so they could. That's they, true. Yeah. Yeah. So they could cut a guy. Bring them back bring the next back. day. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. There's some Great there's point. some roster gymnastics that those GMs Yeah, that have. for sure will happen. Yeah. But like yeah. we said, they have like like Chuma and McDermott are, have both like experienced as starters in the Jets that are in position to like cut those guys. Like those guys were pretty important yeah. figures a year ago, you know. So I, I, yeah. So I think it comes down to those two. I don't think they would keep both of them. I don't think they need that many tackles, but um, yeah, that's gonna be another interesting one, especially because McDermott's still out with his ankle injury. So mm-hmm. All right, let's switch over to the other side of the ball uh, on the defense. We'll start on the line. Same thing, or do you want to do interior first? Uh, yeah, I'll do defensive end first because that, okay. that one fascinates me. Um, <laughs> so Jonathan Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, Jacob Martin, and Bryce Huff are the six that I mentioned earlier that are, I think, pretty locked in. Martin and Huff maybe started camp on the bubble, but they've both been really good. Huff's a little banged up. He heard his oblique recently. I'm not sure. How, you never know how serious things are with this team um they'll say like that's not that bad and then they're out for like two weeks or whatever so um we'll see what happens there but uh the the other three are the ones we talked about a little bit earlier jabari zaniga vinnie curry bradley and i and i i got it i'm gonna remember it at some point um like bill nye okay that's a good way to remember it bradley and i the science guy got it yeah there you go um yeah you know i i think zaniga is a guy that maybe they try and trade um he's had a good camp he's got a lot of sacks i don't know if there's really a place for him in this rotation benny curry's a veteran he keeps getting banged up which is tough and he's he's a vested veteran so they could in theory cut him and then just bring him back i don't think he necessarily would uh go anywhere i think he likes being here so maybe that's kind of the roster gymnastic they do and and you try and get uh an eye into the into the practice squad all right and the tackles Tackles, um, Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankin, Solomon Thomas are secure, I think. And then you have Jonathan Marshall, Nathan Shepard, and Tangel Smart has had a good camp kind of fighting for that spot. I, I lean towards Marsh. If they keep four defensive tackles, I think Marshall is the leader. Shepard has experience, but like I mentioned, he just has not really stood out in camp. Um, and he's been here a while and he hasn't really developed. So I, I, I think Marshall makes it, especially because he's a guy they just drafted last year. Uh, linebacker. Linebackers an interesting one, um, especially once they sign Quan Alexander because they have a couple of young guys there. Um, CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Quan Alexander, and Jamie and Sherwood, the Florham Park Strangler, uh, are the locks I would say, um, or close to it at least with Sherwood. Uh, Hamza Naziruladin, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's a complicated name. I, he's one that I, I, you know, maybe they can sneak him through the practice squad. He was on track to like be a starter or like the third starter. They didn't really play three linebackers that much before they signed Quan. Um, I lean towards him maybe not making it, but he's like one of those tough roster crunch guys. And, you know, he'd be competing with someone like Delshawn Phillips and Marcel Harris. Uh, Harris is hurt, I think. But um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how many linebackers they want to keep or if they want to go heavy on the defensive backs over linebacker. Um, but I'd say four for sure staying and maybe they keep five. All right. At cornerback, obviously, this is a spot where you're going to have to say goodbye to some guys that were part of this team a year ago, right? Yeah. 
for sure. This, this, there's a few like interesting things. So Sauce Gardner, uh, DJ Reed, Bryce Hall, Michael Carter II, I think, are the ones that are safe. Um, Javelin Goudry and Brandon Eccles. Goudry was the nickel corner, or at least he got some of the snaps in the corner last year, and Eccles was starting on the outside. Um, neither of them have really stood out in camp. Eccles was banged up a bit. I think they both might still make it just for depth, but the, the, the complicated one they have is Justin Hardy, who's not really a corner. He's more of like a special teams exclusive guy. Mm-hmm. If they cut him, they save $2 million. Um, they only have like $5 million after signing Dwayne Brown. It's it's because Blaine Boyer, uh, not Blaine Boyer, Brant Boyer, their special teams coach, like went to bat for Hardy the other day. He like called him a Pro Bowl caliber guy, like one of the elite guys in the league, and clearly like trying to make a case, like don't get rid of my guy kind of thing. But like they're at a stage now where like can they afford to keep a guy that can only play on special teams as opposed to helping at corner? So he he's gonna be a very interesting decision for them. Um, and if they kept him, they might wind up keeping seven or six corners, which is a lot, and then you have to pull from another position and they're already keeping a lot of defensive linemen. So like, are you going light on offense? It's it's That's going to be a fascinating one. I remember when they signed Hardy and they made a big deal of yeah. the fact that like they were actually paying attention to special teams, right? A, a franchise that had been bad on special teams for a <laughs> long time. Um, Boyer finally like convinced the team to basically like bring in a guy that can yeah. specialize there. Cause you know, a lot of good teams have that guy. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they keep that philosophy this year. All right. And then back at safety. Yeah, safety, I think the locks are just Jordan Whitehead, Lamarcus Joyner, and Jason Pinnock, who has had a really good camp, and I think they envision him as like a long-term starter. And then so then whether they keep four safeties comes down to how many corners they'll keep probably, but out of the guys that are competing for that fourth spot are Ashton Davis, a third-round pick a couple years ago, who has not stood out in any way in camp. Uh, Will Parks, who has made a lot of big plays, some big hits, some interceptions. Um, and then Elijah Riley, who had a good uh, pass breakup uh, – during the uh, one of the joint practices with the Falcons, um, he played pretty decently when they, uh, you know, he had to play a pretty big role down the stretch last year. I think I, I lean. I think Parks has had the best camp. I wonder if they're willing to get, cut ties with Davis yet. In my in my gut tells me they only keep three safeties, but because um, I don't think any of those three guys are like guys that you feel like you need to keep on the roster. But um, I mean, Bo would disagree on Elijah Riley, I guess. But definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at safety. Like, you feel really good about those three, especially if Joiner's healthy. I'm not so sure about who the fourth is. Yeah, Davis will be interesting because that we always talk about that 2020 draft class. Um, and finally, special teams overall. Yeah, I mean the punter and the long snapper locked in man and Hennessy kicker. It's Greg Zerline and Eddie Pinheiro. It's been back and forth. Uh, Greg Zerline was the only one to kick a field goal. On Monday night, he made it from 44. Pinero made both his extra points. Zerline just is the more proven guy. Got great nicknames: Greg the Leg and Legatron. Uh, he's been around a while. Um, I lean towards him. Uh, yeah, if, if I'm putting money on, I would say Zerline is our kicker in Week One. But that's another thing where you know a bunch of guys are going to get cut around the league. If there's a good kicker on there, maybe they just go and snag a good kicker from the free agents. I, I don't know. It's that, that's another factor. Like when we do the 53 man rosters. It should be called like the initial 53 because there's going to be some waiver claims. Not all these right. guys who make it initially are going to make it, you know, once the season starts kind of thing. Um, so I'd, I'll be interested to see how active Joe Douglas is on the waiver wire. Someday, someday with this New York Jets team, we're going to enter training camp and we're going to be able to say like, that's the kicker and not <laughs> like wait till the finals preseason yeah, game yeah. or when waivers, see who clears waiver, all this stuff. Like someday that'll I, happen. I, I counted. I think they've had... Like I think 13 kickers since Jason Myers left. I believe his last season was 2018. So since 2019, wow. between 
preseason pre pre and the regular season, they've had 13 different kickers that have like tried out or had a shot at the job, which is absolutely insane. Joe Douglas yeah, is just going to draft a kicker in like the fourth round. Yeah, it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right. That, I think that's that sums it up for the 53-man roster. We'll keep this tape. We'll see how you did. Obviously, one more, uh, one more game. So a lot of things can definitely shift over the next couple of weeks before that final roster is set. Uh, we said we were going to take some questions. Marissa, have we gotten any? So I thought this was an interesting one, and you kind of touched on it. This one's from Harlan. If the offensive line doesn't practice together, how do you expect them to do well once the season starts? And kind of going along with this, Taylor said the offensive line not practicing together gives me 2019 vibes, which is frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a fair concern. Um, you have Dwayne Brown at left tackle has not played a snap with anybody here. Lakin Tomlinson's a new guy at left guard. Elijah Vera Tucker played left guard last year, playing right guard. George Fant was just getting into a groove of left tackle and they move him back to right tackle. Connor McGovern's kind of the only mainstay. So there's a lot of questions. I think on paper, that's a good offensive line, five like solid players, maybe not any stars, maybe AVT can be a star one day, but I'm, I'm definitely concerned about how it's going to look to start the season. So maybe that's why they're okay with Zach Wilson, maybe missing a, a week or two, get the offensive line in the groove. And then when he gets out there, then you're not as scared about him getting hurt again. Um, but it's not like Joe Flacco can move around either. So it's, uh, right. I'm yeah. concerned, especially going against the Ravens and Browns. Browns have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. Like, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I'd be worried about the 37 year old for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of Zach Wilson, this question is from Brendan, um, our friend in Ireland, I believe. Oh, hey, wow. hey, Zach. And he did apologize for spelling your name wrong. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hey, Zach. Based off what you've seen over training camp, what are your thoughts on Wilson now that you've seen other quarterbacks in action? Have they shown anything he hasn't yet? Thanks. Oh, man. So it's, it's funny. I kept saying anytime I was getting interviewed about Zach, like I'm reserving judgment until I see him in the preseason games and in the joint practices. And then he goes and has a bad Desert. first drive and then gets hurt. And now I haven't been right. able to. So it's like hard for me to value because I thought he looked good. But again, I keep going back to the fact that it was in practice where he can't get hit. Um, not all the days were in pads. Like uh, didn't have all of us on offensive line. Like it, I'm, I'm concerned going into the year because I think he's still raw. He still needs reps with all these guys. Um, he had a rough rookie season. Though I don't know. think it was necessarily all his fault. I, I think the talent is clearly there, I would say. I, whether he puts it together, I still have questions about. And I'm worried about him missing all this time and then having to get thrown out there in week two or week three. And then, you know, then he's going through his growing pains during the season as opposed to during training camp. So, it, and they have a hard schedule to start the season. So it's, I'm concerned, I would say. But I, I think his talent is definitely there. I think his ceiling is way higher than anybody else they have at quarterback, but I'm concerned. Interesting. Okay, last question, and this one comes from me because uh, <laughs> you're going to see your old friends this week. So what are you looking forward to the most about uh, the oh, Jets going up against the Giants? Um, um, everyone's you know, everyone's it, favorite, you know, comparison. So like Jets fans are listening closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as I've said, I'm not just, you know, sucking up to the fan base. Like, I think the Giants are going to be absolute dog shit this year honestly wow <laughs> <laughs> i i just i sometimes i hear like national reporters because they're all excited about brian dable and uh joe shane um and so they're like you know watch out for the giants uh brian dable coach of the year i'm like have, have you looked at that team's roster it's so bad <laughs> um so i i'm it's gonna be weird being back there because i like i just started this job like a few weeks ago and i'm going back to my old one kind of already right which is which is it's gonna be very strange like being among like the Jets writers and the Giants writers and stuff like that. But I, I did enjoy covering that team. 
fan base is 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 unique like the Jets fans are. Um, I'm I'm working on a story about this actually. Uh, the last time these two teams had a joint practice, there was like crazy brawls. It was 2005. Jeremy Shockey like fought two guys at once. Like there were nonstop brawls throughout the day. Like everybody that was there calls it like one of the craziest practices they've ever been to. So, I mean, it'd be entertaining if you know I saw that again this week. I don't <laughs> think it'll happen, and I'm sure both teams are hoping it doesn't. But um, so there is animosity between these two franchises for sure. Uh, maybe it's not as bad as it used to be, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. And yeah, does I think Daniel Job, does Daniel Jones get keep the starting job, or is, t- is this Tyrod Taylor thing a, a real a real deal over there? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they're they're gonna. I feel like they're gonna give Daniel Jones some time to mess up, I guess. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, his supporting cast is not very good in my opinion. So I don't know. It's the, the Jets. If the Jets don't dominate the Giants this weekend, I'll be a little concerned. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. He's in that tough spot where it's like, you know, we, we've seen it with the Jets with Sam. Um, if you get the quarterback and don't put anything around him. Right. You can't succeed. It's impossible. Right. So by the way, by the way I did. I, 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 far I saw a, I saw a comment in there of someone accusing me of being high. I I just wanted to say I just I slept for like three hours last night. I was wor- up working all night. <laughs> I haven't slept a lot lately. That's why my eyes are almost closed. I'm trying my best. Okay. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it. Yeah, exactly. People love the uh, hate. It's a, it's a sign of the show's popularity that we get yes. the, uh, the haters go. in there a little bit. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the can't wait podcast. Uh, thank you for checking us out, whether you're doing it, watching it on YouTube or on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it. If you haven't yet subscribe on all those different places and tell other people to do it as well. We'll be uh, again until the season starts. We'll come be coming at you once a week. Uh, and then once we are underway with the 2022 season, we'll be twice a week. Uh, so we'll check in again next week after that Giants game, after the joint practices, um, to take a look again at this roster and how it shapes up heading into week one. Uh, for Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Dunn, I am Tim McMaster. Thanks for joining us.